This is Mackenzie Milton. This is Steve Levy from ESPN. And you're listening to One Night Stand. And you're listening to One Night Stand. Start with straight shots and then pop bottles. Yeah. Flirt with the hood rats, then pop models. Uh-huh. Start with yeah. straight shots and then pop bottles. Yeah. This is One Night Stand. Just a reminder to buy your bowl tickets through UCF. Do not buy them through a third party. It's very important. If we don't sell out our allotment, the school loses a lot of money because they make us buy all the tickets. And bowl games are very, very costly. Do your part. Buy them through UCF. All of our ticket allotment is club seating. It's all on our sideline. They're all great seats, so there's no reason not to buy them. It's not even cheaper through the Gasparilla Bowl website. And so if you don't have to work, you can get off, come to the game, support these guys. You know, it's our seniors. It's the last time you're going to see them in a UCF uniform. So, yeah. What up, night fans? It's Wednesday, December 11th. On today's show, we talk about the USF game, our third win in a row versus our rivals from the West. And give our thoughts on the season in general. Now that it's come to an end, was it a disappointment? We debate. We also talk about our bowl game, the Gasparilla Bowl, played at the home of said bowls that we just beat, and how we ended up there. Give a little senior send-off for the guy who's leaving, and Gabe Davis. Also talk a little bit about the Heisman finalists and the final playoff standings. We also tell you about our bowl pick'em contest. If you remember the March Madness contest, we had a ton of prizes for that. So we're going to be doing that for the bowl games, and we'll have prizes as well. And, of course, Money Moose Picks and Moose Mailbag. Speaking of, I'm here with... Money Moo UCF finishes off the regular season with a 34-7 clobbering of the Bulls to take the War on I-4 trophy. But first, we finished the season 9-3 and with that win. Pretty good win. Um, You know, it wasn't as lopsided as I thought it should be, but whatever. But the the big chatter right now is everyone arguing about if the season was a disappointment or not. Everyone has an opinion on this, and it's actually getting really annoying on social media. Like, everyone's entitled to their opinion. Some of you guys are wrong. But, like, I think it's okay to feel disappointed and still happy that we're 9-3 and three and going to a bowl game. Is that crazy? Like, it seems like no one's saying that, though. Everyone's either, like, pissed about the Gasparilla Bowl or being like, Shut up. This season's still better than we've ever had before, blah, blah, blah. I don't know. What What are your thoughts on this whole thing? Well, it's kind of a weird feeling because I feel like a lot of the the newer UCF fans and the newer students, I mean, juniors in the school now, like, this is their first taste of losing, really. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, before we went to UCF, did we really follow UCF football? I had no idea. No. Yeah. Like, I had no idea what was going on. I didn't on. know anyone, anything. I, so, I had no idea about our history. I mean, I learned that through being a student and stuff, and still didn't know that much until really after when I really, really got into it. Right. So, there's an adjustment when the bar is 25 victories in a row, and that's tough. I mean, you could go... You could sit there and say, oh, yeah, we lost three road games by a combined seven points. Heard that a million times. Or you could say that during the 25-game win streak, you know, we could have lost. We probably should have lost two to three times, I think. You think going back to the 2017 uh, 
conference championship, Memphis lined up to kick the game-winning field goal. Yeah. You know? It wasn't an impossible field goal for them to make. Yeah. Uh, overtime, they could have won. That the, a the Peach Bowl could have slipped away. We come back from down 17 points yeah. to Memphis two different games last year. Th- these are all coin flip things that usually don't always end up in your team's favor. And they just did for so long. I feel like we have this talk every week. But so I, I agree, you know, we're not used to losing whatever. But my whole thing is like, you know, first of all, the Pittsburgh loss, I mean, we just came out flat and that was bound to happen. The fact that we came back and scored like 33 unanswered points or whatever it was and then lost the way we did. It's like, all right, whatever. The Cincinnati game, we just didn't do anything on offense. But the Tulsa game, obviously, we shouldn't have lost that. And I have a right to be pissed about that. But it's not any of those three. It's the collective three of them. And I guess, you know, that's kind of just what happens sometimes. The season's disappointing. I'm not mad that we're 9-3. and three. I'm not mad that we found our quarterback for the next three years. I'm not mad that we're going to the Gasparilla Bowl. Like, we earned the Gasparilla Bowl. You know, the season didn't live up to my expectations because our the bar is set at an MY6 Bowl. That's our goal now, and we didn't get there, and it was very, very, very attainable, which I don't know if that makes it worse or bad, I think is the thing. Like, if we just suck this year, I don't think, I mean, I'd be mad that we suck, but I wouldn't feel, like, let down. The fact that we were so close in those three games is, I think, and the fact that we know how well we could have played is, I think, you know, what's kind of disappointing. But, I mean, look at the look at the good stuff. We've got Dylan. Like, a quarterback is the hardest position in every sport, and it's so hard. How many good quarterbacks are in college? Like, 20. I mean, so we've got one for the next three years. We're locked in. That was our biggest worry with KZ leaving before we even knew Mac was decent. So, you know, we're fine. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I'm a little disappointed, but what the hell? I mean... I'm not going to, like, bitch and cry. About it. Like, some people are, like, really pissed about the Gasparilla yeah. Bowl. It's like, we earned the Gasparilla Bowl. <laughs> I don't know teams, what else to say. Teams win and teams lose. Like, if you just won, I think we said this a couple weeks ago, like, if you just win every game, I don't consider that fun. Like, to me. Like, yes, the win streak was awesome and everything, but isn't it all about, like, the struggle? Like, it is, because because one year when we're actually in the playoff conversation, we're going to look back in these down years and be like, that's what makes this worth it. I get it. Like, it must have been not that fun to be, like, a Patriots fan or a Bama fan until this year. I mean, they made the playoffs for the last five years. So it's, like, cool, but it's not special. Like, we made the playoff five years in a row. I probably wouldn't go to all the playoff games. Like, that's yeah. a crap ton of money. But, like, the first time... Everyone, I mean, look at the Peach Bowl. I didn't even know we had that many fans that year. One thing that's funny is like our whole joke always was like, if we lose one game, like be thankful for this win streak. If we lose one game, we're stuck in the Birmingham Bowl. And it turns out we would actually be happy compared to the Gasparilla. Well, maybe not geographically, but at least we'd have a P5 opponent and not a eight win conference USA team. But again, that comes with the territory of being in the American conference. What can you do? And, you know, we could talk about this all day. We can't change it. So, looking forward to the bowl game. Really looking forward to the future next year. And, uh, yeah, it is what it is. All right, so let's go back and talk about the USF game a little bit. Senior night. Very cool to send off those guys. KZ walked. That was a cool moment to see him. He got a huge ovation. Um, One of the most boring games ever. 
I mean, the defense played lights out, but when we play a bad team, we're used to scoring a lot more points, and we just didn't really have it together, um, which I think, you know, is a byproduct of kind of a disappointing season. I mean, I think we played well. The defense played very well. God, USF's offense. Like, <laughs> they actually had some some dude wrote an article saying, like, how the USF offensive coordinator should be the next coach. Like, I think South Carolina State last year had like a more productive had like offense. a more productive offense than this offense. Yeah, I mean, you it was know, terrible. You know, the one thing with this guy, he comes in, Kerwin Bell, he's got his whole system, I guess that they changed from whatever they're running before. But I mean, they don't have like much talent at all. So their O-line is so bad. You know, you could look back to Frost first year when the O-line was bad and I mean, if you don't have a line, you don't have an offense. So we, well, I don't think we'll ever really know. I don't think that guy had a, you know, a fair chance really. But regardless, I mean, they were just, you know, all around bad, and um, felt great. I kind of just wish we could have uh, run the score more. Although, you know, it was nice to see AK on his last home game have a big night. Fourteen carries, 115 yards, and that nice touchdown run, 35 yards. Um, the first quarter over did not hit. Of course. Oh! I- Lost like all the money I won all year betting on that, putting it on the USF game. That's why you don't put all your eggs in one basket gambling. Uh, what did you think about all the fights and stuff? I I thought that was awesome. Well, I mean, the <laughs> I didn't even know there was a fight pregame. Yeah, so, I didn't either. Yeah. So the the fight that broke out like during the game, I thought it was pretty crappy. That second and third time that I watched it, USF guy like comes and just like bowls over this ref. I think at the end of all the penalties and stuff, which something I've never seen in, in football my entire life, college, pro, any level, do you remember the, when the ref like was about to call whatever flag was on who, and he like forgot who it was, and he like pulls out, out the, the little card? <laughs> like everyone started laughing like crazy <laughs> in my section. <laughs> it was pretty funny, but after all that, somehow like. A hundred penalties offset, and then they still call a face mask on us. So, like, after the whole thing, it was still 15 yards backwards. Was that because AK grabbed his face yeah, mask? Yeah, uh, just stupid. Yeah, I don't know. Whatever. How there was no ejections or anything in that was just... Hey, whatever, let him play. But, no, I, I agree. Um, Yeah, what else? Uh, Barnes had that 50-yard field goal. That was pretty cool. Yeah, that was pretty Especially epic. after he missed the short one earlier in the game. Uh, definitely. You know, he's a oh, senior the too. One off the post, yeah. I think, too. Yeah. So that um, that also cost me because I had minus seven for the first quarter. I ended up oh. pushing that. Um, no, that was I, cool because I, you know, fifty yarder his last home game, senior. I mean, this is it stinks because he was behind Matty Wright, but this is you know his only. I think is he a redshirt senior? I think it's his only year. Yeah, he's yeah. gone. He's gone. So one really cool. cool thing I liked was the goal line stand by. UCF defense. I think USF had like a first and goals near the end of the game. Stopped on all four downs. All yeah. the way at fourth and goal and a whole bunch of nothing. So Love to see it, yeah. It was cool to see that the team still had fight, you know, even up like three or four scores. Yeah, uh, definitely. I mean, defense takes pride in that, you know. The offense can be up and they can kind of put on cruise control, but the defense, you, you know, I mean, they were trying to play pitch a perfect game. Besides that one drive, I mean, USF didn't really do much at all. So it was also nice to see us get back in plus territory for the turnover margin. 
Um, two interceptions. T- two interceptions and a fumble recovery. And we didn't turn the ball over once. Dylan Gabriel ending the season without a single giveaway at home, which is remarkable. No fumbles, no picks in any home game. Yeah. and It was like perfect, pretty much. That just goes to show you how much home field advantage we have here in Orlando. Yeah, the bounce house, for sure. And not only that, I mean, people say this. Like, when I was disappointed about Tulsa, everyone's like, well, look, like, Dylan Gabriel is still way better than KZ freshman year. I, I get that. Like, but at the same time, I wish we had won that game. But what I'm getting at is that, I mean, he did great, and he's just going to keep getting better. That year one to year two, I think, is huge. Look at KZ's improvement. He's going to be comfortable. It's not going to be a whole new thing to him. I mean, dude just moved here from Hawaii. After KZ's freshman year, he wanted to move back to Hawaii. Yeah, the future is definitely bright. We're not really losing anyone either. So, and we'll I talk about say that a little. Anyone? We're not getting like decimated. I guess. Um, we've got a lot of good players. We're losing some important players. We've got a lot of other good ones that are staying, and also guys to step up and fill in their shoes. So, the future is definitely bright. One other thing too. This was Charlie Strong's last game as USF head coach. He was zero and three versus us as a as their coach and also 0-1 as Louisville's coach. So 0-4, Charlie Strong overall. Man, that one thing, their fan base was united on wanting him out. And I can't blame them. I mean, what, his first year, they had 10 wins, and then then they started off 6-0. and So he started off like 16-1 and as a coach and then lost like 14 out of his last 16 games or something like that. Talk about night and day. But um, I'm actually sad to see him go. I think it was just their strength of schedule. Like, it was all a Fugazi or yeah. Fugazi or whatever. Yeah, no, like, it's a sham for sure. I said this last year, and I, I can remember it to the day. Like, they were 6-0 and or 7-0, and and I told everyone that they were the biggest fraud they were. in college football. They ended up losing out six in a row. Including getting hammered by Marshall in the Gasparilla Bowl, yep. which is kind of relevant now. Um, Wait, can I go back and say... But I just want to talk about like the takeaways and the sacks and the biggest difference between, you know, 2017, 2018 and 2019. The two biggest things and the reasons why I think, you know, we had some of these losses this year that we didn't have in the previous two years are takeaways and sacks. Takeaways, we've we've said this before, a 50 percent skill, 50 percent luck. 2017, we had 32 takeaways, good for second most in the entire nation, perfect season. 2018, we had 28 takeaways, still good for number sixth in the nation, had a perfect regular season. This year in 2019, only half as much, 16 takeaways, only good for 76th in the nation. Now, is that skill? Is that luck? It's both 50-50. It can go either way. This year, the offensive line and our three losses gave up 15 sacks. That's not a recipe for a win. No. In our nine wins combined, they only gave up six. There you go. So, yeah, I mean, winning and losing comes down to the line play, quarterback sacks, and how many takeaways you get. And yeah. that's basically why we won so much in the last two years and why we lost a couple of games this year. Exactly. My whole thing comes down to, you know, if the line's not playing well, can't throw deep balls you're not gonna have time so i think that goes on coaching and adjustments but who knows there's not one thing specifically 
But you can definitely look back and say, these are definitely contributing factors to those losses. Nobody's going to argue with that. Um, let's <laughs> talk about this bowl game a little bit. Gasparilla Bowl, Monday, December 23rd, 2.30 p.m. versus Marshall. Super inconvenient time. Yeah, they don't go like hit happy hour, hit five o'clock traffic right after the game. <laughs> oh, maybe it's perfect. No, I mean it stinks for like if you can't, you know, a lot of people just can't get off work during during the week, um, especially Monday too. But you know, again, this is what we get for losing to Tulsa Marshall in their second straight Gasparillable appearance. They destroyed USF last year. It was so sad. I remember not only did they beat them by like thirty points, but USF had like. 50 fans at the game and it's like this is supposed to be a home game well it was also a monsoon and i picked usf <laughs> that was sad okay that was the saddest part well whatever monsoon monsoon like i don't know i guess yeah it would have been easy for them not to want to show up due to that like me if i'm driving two hours up there i'm going to the freaking game i don't care if it's wet but um let me talk a little bit about how we got to the gasparilla bowl because a lot of people don't understand how this stuff works and it is kind of confusing the conferences and the um, the networks kind of have control over this, but there's kind of a, a bunch of different moving parts. What ended up happening was, you know, first of all, our conference doesn't have many good options. There's, If you want to play a P5, besides the MY6 game, we've got the Birmingham Bowl in, uh, obviously, Alabama versus SEC. We've got the Military Bowl, which is the one we wanted, which is in Annapolis. And there's one other one, I can't remember. Uh, but anyway, the way it worked out, you know, for the military bowl, the problem was one, the ACC didn't want us playing FSU or Miami. And two, once the bowls, so they all kind of start to fall in place. And then, you know, you go from the top down, the important bowls. And when it kind of got time to the military, the ACC schools that were kind of the ones that fit that, that were going to be there were UNC and Pitt. Well, they don't do rematch games. And Neither of us wanted to play UNC because that totally we play them to kick off next year. Like that totally takes away from that game, which is way more important than a bowl game. That doesn't really mean anything. So really, like everything fell in place for us to for us to not. Yeah, and then Cincinnati picked the Birmingham Bowl. They had choice ahead of us, even though it said that we might not have taken that anyway. Just logistically, the Gasparilla makes more sense. Ticket sales, it makes more sense. We weren't going to get more people to go to Birmingham. Isn't the Birmingham Bowl like on Christmas Eve or the day no, after Christmas? No, dude, it's on the day after New Year's. It's January oh. 2nd, which is like the only good thing because there's like no more college So football. you basically have to spend New Year's Eve in Birmingham. Yeah, no. Well, no. I mean, you well, can what go are you going to do? The... New Year's Day, you got to spend. You got to travel up there. But Hangover City. Yeah. So that's kind of how we ended up there. Look, it could be worse. It could be a lot worse. Not just not making a bowl game, but there's a lot of other bowl games that would have sucked even more than this. So, whatever. It is what it is. We can't change it. If you can go, just go. Like, geez, go say, whenever you see AK, Jordan Johnson, all these guys in, in UCF uniforms anymore, go one last time. It'll be fun. And uh, Marshall's going to be pumped up for us. I think it's going to be a good game. And we'll talk about that a little later. Like I said at the beginning of the show, though, you know, make sure to buy your tickets through UCF. They're all club seats. Which is like, you know, you get to like the nicer concessions and stuff. And they all have a great view. They're all on our sidelines, like between like the, I don't know, maybe the 20 yard lines or something. And I mean, I don't think we're going to sell out our allotment, but even the 200 level are all really, really good seats. So try and go if you can. You got anything to add about the bowl game? 
No, other other than I just kind of wish it was still at the Rays Stadium. What? I like that, dude. Inside, Inside. no sweating. There's no sweating in December in Florida, but Uh, dude, I sweat today. I know you didn't walk outside today. (laughs) I mean, dude, that ball sucked. Half the seats in our allotment were so bad because it's a circular baseball stadium, and like, I was in some weird like I don't remember. Like half the seats were terrible for that. I know everyone complains about it, but the two times that I went against Rutgers, Rutgers, I like had my feet up on the third base dugout, and I was in the front row, and it was awesome. Yeah, that's the other cool. one, I was in the cl- I was in the club level, like at the fifty yard line. Yeah, I don't. I didn't think I bought through UCF. I don't really remember. I remember one of them was really, really freaking cold. Like I couldn't feel my hands or feet, and I'm like, "What is this?" Like, I think um, that was Rutgers. Yeah, probably. Uh, anyway. Let's so, just yeah. leave us on the record that Money Move likes Tropicana. Okay. That's dumb. <laughs> All right. Um, let's talk about the seniors leaving. All right. So uh, we're going to go down the list and, I don't know, talk about each of these guys. So AK, obviously the, um, I guess, the most well-known out of this group. Uh, what's your favorite AK memory? Uh, it'd probably have to be his giant kickoff. Was it a kickoff return or a giant run? against michigan it was a run okay. it was from the one yard line i think okay yeah that was insane because he ran right past us like a freaking road runner you know because we were we were on like the what 40 yard line or something yeah we had really good seats we're only like we're game. in row like six and if you went to the michigan game you know they have like a hundred and something rows yeah it's crazy. It's just so one giant yeah. section so we're in row six and i mean this dude was as Fastest friggin' lightning, man. It was insane. We, like, didn't even know who he was, yeah, really. that was the other thing. That was, like, his second or third game. And like, it was coming off the 0-12 season, so it's like, you know. We were down, We like, didn't know we had anyone We didn't know decent. anything. <laughs> we were down, like, 28 or 30-something to nothing at the time. I was like, oh, wow. Like, that made our whole trip, or yep. made the whole game, at least. Uh, that was cool. That's what so I was going to say, it. too. You stole mine, so I guess I don't really have one. I'm trying to think of what else. You know, he had one really, really long run against Memphis, too. The first Memphis game in 2017 that was awesome. And he did like that. Oh, he oh did, he, yeah. He's done that. He broke the, broke like, the ticker tape or whatever, whatever going through the end yeah, zone. But he's done that one. on a couple runs. But I remember that Mem- maybe the Memphis one was 99 yards. I don't remember. He finished with, what, like 40 touchdowns or something like that? Something insane. Definitely going to miss him. And I definitely think we're going to see him on Sunday if he gets picked by the right team that knows how to use him. All right, next up. Jordan Johnson, you know, obviously offensive line, they don't have like specific plays. I remember there's some funny times of him dancing, but I think his leadership and what he did off the field to get back to the community and stuff is the thing that we're going to miss the most about him. You know, he didn't necessarily have the best senior season. I think he had, he did better as a junior, but I think we're going to lose a lot from having him around these guys. You know, from everything I've heard about him, you know, leadership-wise. And, and we're definitely going to miss that. And I mean, dude, four-year starter, like, you don't see that that much in college football. Normally, you get there, and there's five or six guys ahead of you just because they've been there longer. And you're still trying to figure out, like, how to do laundry and stuff. And, you know, the fact that he started for four years just speaks a lot about him. You know, he came in and uh, just, you know, dominated. Yeah, go back to, like, some of the stuff that he does in the community follow him on twitter he's always posting like doing stuff for the boys and girls club i think he um, collecting christmas presents and stuff yeah he's uh, just a very well-rounded kid and 
Yeah. We're going to miss him, man. I mean, center is a very important position, though. It's like the quarterback of the line. Yeah, exactly. It's going to be hard to uh, hard to replace him. Even not just, you know, on the field, obviously. Off the field, too. All right, Nate Evans, man. The Bulldog. Dude. He's a a bad man. What a season for him. He actually ended up with exactly 100 total tackles. Just so many memorable plays, so many huge hits. He was just really, really, really fun to watch. And, I mean, he was last year, too. He had Actually, he had 99 tackles last year as well. And um, there was just so many times where I feel like I was just screaming his name or the announcer was or something, too. And, uh, you know, kind of the captain in the middle of that defense. And he's, he's definitely going to be missed as well. All right, Jake Brown's next. Um, he actually got, what, second, first or second team all-conference, I think, yeah. right? Yeah, so... I mean, anyone, you know, anyone that, that wins that is definitely, you know, kind of going out with a bang. All right, Navelle Clark. See the one with the dad? Yeah, all yeah. of them have dads. No, the, you know what I'm talking about. The most vocal the UCF most vocal parent. The most vocal UCF parent, I guess you could Norman say. Norman Chichi Clark, new Facebook friend of mine. No, he's cool. He's, you Did know. you see the camera lens he was carrying on the field? No, I didn't. I mean, it was it. like bigger than Jason's. <laughs> really? Yeah, this dude, I don't know where he got this, but I thought he was a professional photographer. Turns out, it was just Abel Clark's dad. Because <laughs> I saw him sitting in the stands. He was like one section over. All the family section sits like right next to me, so. Right. He's a funny dude. Definitely a character, Abel Clark's dad. <laughs> yeah, uh, you know, I, he was one of our best DBs. He's had two really, really good years. I think he'll probably get drafted, but we'll have to see. We're going to miss him back there. And uh, hopefully his dad still has a presence on Twitter, too, because he's been fun. Uh, you know, he's always got a strong opinion on pretty much everything. All right, last but not least, uh, Dylan Barnes. Dude, we talked about this earlier, man. We were First of all, we were spoiled with Matty Wright. I mean, he was automatic. But, you know, Matthew right down the middle, which, by the way, I can't believe he hasn't had a shot in the NFL with how bad the kickers have been this year. But that's a whole other story. Barnes, go through his stats, Moo. Like, we were just talking about these, and they're incredible. He was 13 of 15 for field goals on the year, 62 out of 63 extra points. Yeah. I mean, and he was perfect from 40, from over 40 yards, including his 50 yarder in the last game. Can't ask much more. No, you can't. And kicking, I mean, you know, we talk about this. You don't always notice when the kickers are doing well or kind of what we say they should be doing, but. There's teams with kickers that are like 50% on field goals in the year. We're literally hey, USF was like under 50% yeah, total. Like, like they can't even rely on their kickers if they have to, which completely changes what you do on offense on like third down even because you're like, all right, well, let me just get it close to fourth so then maybe we can make it because kicking is not an option. Definitely glad to have him. You know, Stinks will only have him for one year, but it's better than nothing and uh, definitely wish him the best. Some other guys leaving. Gabe Davis declaring for the NFL. No surprise there. We've been saying this all along. We said this before the season. He's got no reason to stay. Can't blame him at all. Go get paid, dude. Go get your bag. What are what? your I was gonna ask you, what is your NFL draft analysis for Mr. Gabe Davis? I think he's a top five wide receiver. You know, we'll have to see. The combine's always big. The thing with the UCF guys is you look at all these mock drafts and stuff. Half these analysts don't watch any G5 games. So, like, they don't even know who they are. This is like how Tristan Hill went from, like, a fifth round to an actual second round pick. And they kept saying, 
you know, oh, his draft stock is rising. I mean, it wasn't his stock rising. It was just people noticing him, I guess. And Gabe's going to be the same way. I mean, you watch the tape on him. <laughs> he's unguardable. And obviously, he's going to be against better cornerbacks, but still. He's got speed. I mean, he's not the fastest guy in the field, but he's got enough speed. He's a great route runner. You can never tell where he's going or what he's going to do. And physically, I mean, he's just big. There's Cornerbacks are not like 6'3 guys, most of them, and they're definitely not as muscular as him. I mean, he's good, and he's just going to keep getting better, and uh, I'm excited to watch him on Sunday. Also, he's very talented in the downfield blocking game. Yeah. NFL now has a ton of you know wide receiver bubble screens, you gotta other be able to... screens, a lot of runs to the outside. you got to be able to do everything. Exactly. I don't like to do guarantees, but I'm just going to say there's no way he lasts past the third round. Oh, not a chance. Not a chance. Like, I want to say my gut feeling is the beginning of the second or best case scenario, I think he'd be end of first round. It's tough to say because... Like, put him on the Patriots. But, well, here's the thing. It's tough to say rounds. I don't like saying rounds necessarily because a lot of the time, a lot of the teams just don't need wide receivers that bad. I think the best way to do it is, is he a top five or a top ten receiver in the draft, you know, because that's a better, I guess, indicator. But who knows? It, it'll definitely be fun to watch him, you know, get ready for the league over these next couple months, you know, set the record for uh, receiving yards in a season this year. and didn't even finish that strong because he had so many great games. What? He had, like, one of his best games against USF. Well, okay. What I meant was, like, the three games before that, he did, like, almost nothing. Yeah, but the, I don't think that's really on him. No, it's not. Well, it's not. I shouldn't have said he almost did nothing. Did almost nothing. What I meant is, I mean, he just didn't get the ball thrown him that much. It happens, you know. It's just that he didn't have a touchdown. He had at least a thirty-six yard catch in. Yeah, but a couple of the games he only had like three catches. In the Cincinnati game, where he had thirteen catches for one seventy, right. that was insane. He had at least a thirty-three yard catch in every single game. Okay. Well, what I meant, look at look at his last like three games besides USF though. He only had yeah, a three games. for eighty three, three for forty six, six for ninety eight, five for seventy five. It's just because he hadn't been scoring. Well, not only that, I think we got like I was used to seeing the ball thrown his way like fifteen times a game. But I agree, we're definitely gonna miss him. But one good thing, we've got guys to step up in their place. We're gonna see a lot of Marlon Williams Williams next year. Also, Jacob Harris. Got cleared um, for his sixth year for some kind of injury waiver, red shirt thing. Uh, so he pulled a Kalubi Alley or whatever, or the Kalubi Alley rule, I guess we can call it. So he'll be back. That's definitely awesome. I mean, deep ball hairs, baby. Just, you know, oh, <laughs> dude, he caught a lot of deep. That one rainbow, who was that against? It was on the road. I think it was against Pitt. No, no, it was against Houston at home. It wasn't against Pitt. I watched it. On I feel my like TV. every one of his catches was a I rainbow. Know. There was this one where it was like Willie Mays center field, like completely. That's over how his head. he catches all of his balls, though. Yeah. Him and Trey Nixon, I feel like never use their hands. They just <laughs> every one of their catches on a rainbow is just like a. Well, they use their hands, but it's like in the bread basket, yeah. I guess. Um, you know, thinking about it overall, though, not missing too much of anything. You know, lose a receiver, lose a running back, but we've got a lot of good receivers, a lot of good running backs. Lose one lineman. We've got a bunch of other good linemen. Lose, you know, one, I guess, two linebackers. Overall, we're not missing that much in any certain place. And we've got a ton of talent around us. So, 
playoff next year? No. <laughs> I'm just I'm excited for the future is what I'm saying. We're going to be just as talented next year. We're reloading. There's always going to be new talent. That's what I love about college football is like you just keep reloading. Like there's new people. Yeah, you yeah. lose some of your good people, but it's fun to like watch them grow in the NFL as well. I mean, yeah. How much do you like watching the Saints now just I love because of Traquan's been Traquan getting, and Tay Murray? They've been getting the ball so much these last couple of like, games. I wouldn't too. give two craps about the Saints if it wasn't for them, too. Yeah, I know. And instead, they've got black and gold guys in their black and gold Saints uniforms. One other player, too, I guess we forgot to talk about is Richie Grant, who we all thought before the season was definitely probably going to be like a 50 50 chance at going to the NFL. He had such a great sophomore season, everyone was talking about him. And then this year, it's kind of quiet. It's going to be tough to recreate what happened last year, the six interceptions. Incredible for uh, safety. And three pass defense to this year, zero picks, which is insane. Uh-huh. But I think that has to do with a little bit, I was talking about the takeaways are kind of 50-50 luck and yeah, so, skill. Sometimes the quarterback just throws the ball up and you happen to be there. But one thing, too, is he had... Five more passes defended. So he had eight total. And when you combine those, because a pick is a pass defended, you just also get the ball. So he had nine total picks or passes defended last year, eight total picks and passes defended this year, just no picks. So again, the picks are what really make him stand out. He might not have regressed that much. I think maybe his pro football focus scores were down a little bit in a couple games. But overall, he just didn't have as much splash without having those picks. I think so, could be another thing is that teams just knew who he was. I mean, before that's true. Before 2018, was he that big of a name in 2017 for us? No, he didn't play. It was um, it was Kyle Gibson, Gibson and, and Burkett. No, Gibson and Trey Neal. Okay, yeah, yeah, so, that's what yeah, I'm saying. Yeah. So maybe teams just had some video on him and they figured him out. Yeah, yeah. Who knows? Um, so hopefully he comes back. If not, you know, best of luck to him. But we'll have to see. So that's it for the players, the you know, kind of the main players. Some guys are transferring, but no one really that had that much playing time with us. So again, wish those guys uh you know, wishing the best too. You gotta do what's best for yourself. And if you're buried behind someone on the depth chart, you know, maybe go somewhere else when you get a better chance. But one other person that could be leaving is Jeff Lebby going to Old Miss to be Lane Kiffin's assistant. He interviewed for the offensive coordinator position. Today, we're recording on Tuesday, so probably yesterday when you listen to this. We don't know what's going to happen. I really hope he doesn't leave. I heard he's super, super talented. I've been saying I've wanted him to call the plays all year. But it'd be an obvious, you know, um, kind of upgrade for him. Not thinking, saying Ole Miss is better, but they can definitely pay him more. And uh, he'd probably be able to actually run the offense there too. So if he leaves, you know, can't blame him. Bunch of other coaching changes also. Mike Norvell went to FSU, which, you know, that's going to happen to good G5 coaches. Now, originally, Norvell said he was going to coach the Cotton Bowl, but now he came out and said today that he's he's not going to be able to. And I'm pretty sure it's because FSU won't let him, because I know he did want to, just like Frost did before, but... The thing with Frost is Frost had multiple suitors. I mean, the Gators wanted him. Nebraska wanted him. He kind of had the upper hand in the negotiation and was like, look, I want to coach UCF in the Peach Bowl. Norvell didn't really have that with FSU. So 
Dude, that sucks so bad. Like, not only just for the coach. Like, I understand, okay? You could love Memphis as much as you want, but money talks, and there's no one that doesn't take the money. No, not just the money. I mean, it's FSU. And to have built Memphis from... I mean, dude, think of our winning streak that's still alive versus Memphis. They used to be a laughing stock. Yeah. Like, back in the 07, 08, when we were in the... When we're in school, it's like, oh, we're playing Memphis. What is yeah. it, like 38-3? You know, yeah. What do you do? Exactly. And now they're getting a chance to to go to the Cotton Bowl, especially after the last two years of disappointment. Disappoint- I mean, you want to talk close. about disappointment? God. Being that close to beating us? Yeah. And now, all of a sudden, you don't, you don't get to have the chance to finish it off like the Cinderella story? I know. It and then the players, too. They come there just for him. It's feel like as a family, you know, everyone's together. They were freaking good this year, man. It, I got to give it up that to That freshman them. running back is going to be trouble for us next oh, year. Oh, yeah. That dude's good. Years to come. Game well, bro. I know, man. I know. Something he, else. Dude, he knew how to recruit running backs there for sure. I thought we were done, like. With the stupid running backs. Like, at freaking Pollard, Henderson, like the that other, other one. Yeah. Patrick, Patrick, <laughs> Taylor. Patrick Taylor. Patrick Taylor is still on the team. He was just hurt pretty much all year, which is kind of why Gainwell got uh, so much playing time in the beginning. But, uh, yeah, I know it stinks, but, you know, there's nothing they can do about it. And, uh, hey, I'm still rooting for Memphis. Uh, Who they play? Penn State, right? Yep. So we're all going to be Memphis fans January 1st. Got to represent our conference. Some of the other coaching changes, USF, we talked about this earlier. They lost Charlie Strong, which stinks. He was terrible. But, you know, one thing, though, I've never seen when a coach gets fired, how many players, like, went out and said how much I love this dude. I mean, Dude's clearly a really good guy and cares about his players. Just not that good of a football coach, clearly. So, you know what? Again, when these coaches get fired, I mean, I feel bad because their families might have to move and stuff, which is a pain in the butt. But it's like also, your dad's a millionaire or your husband's a millionaire or whatever. He's got you guys are set for life, so I don't feel that bad. I think he'll end up be he'll end up somewhere. He'll be a DC somewhere. Yeah, I mean, that's what he came up doing. Which so. I mean, yeah, but when he was a DC at Florida. It was good. really good. That's, That's how he got the Louisville job. Right. Yeah. All this coaching stuff got me to thinking about, seems like there's like four kind of types of coaches that schools hire when there's a vacancy. I'll use some examples here. Sometimes you get a coordinator from a major program that has the opportunity to be a head coach. So he kind of goes to like a, a G5 or I don't want to say lesser program, but a program that has less money. because Like a Frost. That's what it comes down to. Frost did it. He was the OC at Oregon. Heupel did it. OC at Missouri, came back here. And then the next stepping stone is my next one. It's an up-and-coming head coach. So those could be like Frost coming from UCF to Nebraska. Or a good, actually a really good example is like Willie Taggart. He went from Western Kentucky to USF, did well there, to Oregon, did okay, and then to FSU. Or like Urban Meyer when he went from Bowling Green to Utah to Florida and was like undefeated all those years. And then... There's the other example, this is number three, the fired head coach moving down. This seems like the one that you want to ignore. This is like Charlie Strong, fired from Texas, goes to USF. Lane Kiffin. Was he fired from USC? Yeah, dude. I, I don't remember. He I just, think he was fired from Tennessee. No, no, he, he left Tennessee after a year to go to USC. Then he was fired. He went to Alabama. When did he go to the Raiders? He went, Wasn't he know. the head coach of the he Raiders? He was the head coach of the Raiders for a little bit. I don't know. He's been all over the place. That's why I wasn't sure if he got fired from USC. Um, another example is like Kevin Sumlin. 
he you know worked his way up. He was the A and M head coach, got fired. Then we actually tried to hire him over Hypo, and now he's at Arizona State. But I feel like you never want like the guy that never made it in the big program because they worked so hard on the way up. I just feel like their heart's never in it after they lost at that big one. But who knows? And then my fourth one is kind of the like the oddball one. This would be like Nick Saban. He won a national championship at LSU, went to the Dolphins, then sucked or got fired, and then came to Alabama. Or like George O'Leary, who left Georgia Tech for the the uh, the Notre Dame job, and then lied on his resume, didn't get that job, and then we scooped him up. But like, there's always kind of the oddball guys, I guess, that have some weird story. But for the most part, it's either a coordinator from a big program going down, it's a fired head coach moving down to be a head coach, or it's that up and coming head coach that like coach like Buffalo, and then maybe like Cincinnati, and then they go to like Ohio State or something like that. Uh, it's just interesting to, to classify the different guys. What about the like old timey coach that comes back for like one last ride, like the <laughs> Les Miles? Oh yeah, okay. Or well, Mac well, Mac Brown. Okay, well those go under the fired head coach moving down. Okay, but Spurrier but, but is those, another good one. But those guys are different because you're right; they're old, they're legendary, they've all won like big time. And then, for whatever reason, they're not at their job. And then they're coming back for one last hoorah. Like um, Howard Schnellenberger. Yeah. Or Schmel- Schmellenberger. The, or uh, the Miami guy. Yeah. Now, those guys are good. I mean, look at Mac Brown turned around. UNC is going to be tough starting off the season next year. All right. So, like, of those four types of coaches, who is someone that you would want to bring to UCF if we were just starting from scratch? I mean, here's the thing. The best one you want is the up-and-coming head coach because everyone wants to hit the home run and get That's the, exactly what I was the say. Urban Meyer. But the problem is is it might not be an Urban Meyer. It could be a Willie Taggart. A right. lot of the time you <laughs> don't know, but you're, you're willing to take that risk in case you hit the home run of the Urban Meyer. Now, the up-and-coming coordinator is a good one too, but the problem with that is they don't have the head coaching experience. They could be a home run. Oh, I thought that's what you said originally. No, no I, said, I, wa- I want the up-and-coming coordinator from the big-time big pro- From the big-time school, I agree. The problem is is there might be a little transition time because they've never ran a program before because there's so much oh, other stuff. Oh, you mean like Hypo in the first year and a half, two years? Well, if the first year was fine. You know, it just, it just depends. They're not always going to be good. Uh, I still think Buffalo's head coach is really good. My point, anyway, this whole thing... The next thing I was going to say, USF's new head coach is Clemson's offensive coordinator, which could be dangerous. USF's last, you know, he had the Charlie Strong leftovers, the Willie Taggart, the up-and-coming, but now they've got an up-and-coming OC. They could be really good really fast is what I'm saying. I never really kind of worried about that with Taggart or Strong, so... Uh, no, we'll have I, to see. I think you're right, but... He could be a stud. The spin on it for us is that, yeah, we all like to laugh and make fun of USF when they suck, but it's really better for us for them to be good. Wouldn't you say? It's better for the rivalry overall. I mean, you know what? If they're good, I would say it's good for us. It, it'll make us better and make the games more fun. And if they're bad, it's good for us because they suck. I don't know. It's good either way. I don't care. I'm going to disagree. I I think it's only good for us if they're good. And I love nothing more than to laugh at USF and how bad they are, but it really does nothing for us if their fan base is not engaged and they don't care. 
I, I agree. I agree. Like, it, the best case scenario is that they're really good. And then we beat them. And we beat them yeah. every single year. <laughs> That's the best case scenario. I, I agree. Like, me trying to talk trash to all, my, all the people that I know for USF this year. It's, you can't even. They anymore. didn't care. Yeah. They were like, all right, yeah, you're better. We get it. didn't care. Yeah. And the best time was, like, when we were in school, 20... when all, a bunch of our friends were at USF, in 2007, all the way to, like, 2017, there really was no other year other than 2017 when we were both good. When we were both good. There wasn't. And look at what happened. Yeah. Look. It created the greatest college football game ever in history. Yeah. In my opinion, I agree. You know, you're totally right with that point. So, you know, here's the thing, though. I just We just got details of this guy's contract. If this guy remotely sniffed success this year, he's, he's gone. gone. <laughs> Let me, look at this contract. Okay. His buyout, only for the first year... Is only two point five million for the first year. Frost was five the first year, and then I think it went down. Yeah, to but two. that's got to be like ten times the amount of donations that that program gets. So I it's agree. A win for them, but still. And then after the first year, it's so it's, it it starts at two point five and goes down. I mean, he has one good year and he's gone. He has two good years and he's definitely gone. Yeah, it's gonna take more than one year. Looking at this roster, <laughs> I know, I know, and that kind of sucks too because I'd like to see him sniff some success. The dude's gone. I mean, I, they should have learned from Scott Frost. That's stupid. He's got to have at least a five million buyout the first year. Even Frost did, but maybe that's the only way they could get him. That has to be what it is. They're AD smart. He's good. I I actually worry because he reminds me of Danny White. He's well connected, forward thinking guy. You would think they would make the buyout as much as possible if they could. So the fact that it's so low means it was tough. And, like, what's USF's other option? It was Willie Taggart, actually. They, like, were considering him. So so now where does Willie go? FAU. He goes on the bus or whatever. <laughs> Got to ride the bus. Actually, I could see him being an FAU. He would love it there, and he would crush it, too. So um, I honestly think he would. Yeah, probably. He is a good, even though I think he's a terrible coach, he is a really good recruiter. Yeah. Wow. All right. So that was a really good discussion about head coaches. Let's move on, though. We could talk about that all day. Um, real quick here. The Heisman finalists. We've got Joe Burrow, obviously, LSU's quarterback. Chase Young, the uh, the D lineman from Ohio State. Justin Fields, the quarterback for Ohio State. And Jalen Hurts, the quarterback for Oklahoma. Justin Fields, quarterback of Ohio State, by the way was a transfer from Georgia, who Georgia basically said, yeah, you're not as good as our current quarterback, Jake Fromm, and we're going to pick Jake Fromm to be the starter. So now... Well, Fromm led him to the national championship. Like <laughs> Fields would have had to been much better than Fromm for him to get the job. Like Trevor Lawrence with Kelly Bryant, Kelly Bryant. Yeah. where he was just clearly much better, and he wasn't because Fromm was good. So what does he do? He transfers and then gets a waiver, which is... The transfer rules are so stupid. They're not fair. They let him transfer because they know it's good for college football because Ohio State lost their quarterback and didn't have anyone that good for Ohio State to have a good quarterback. When the good programs are good, college football does better, and I guarantee you that's why they gave him the transfer. I don't like the rules. It's so stupid. It's not fair to these players. There's players with stories that their grandmas are sick and they want to be closer to home. Like, Parker Boudreaux had that with his sister, and there was some other guy, too, in the Carolinas. I just think it's dumb. Just let people transfer or let no one transfer. It's not fair. And if they get a waiver, they better have a damn good reason and make it public because they don't. They don't say anything. Or just 
for me, I would say if you want to transfer, you have to sit out of your period. If it's because you have a sick grandma, just move. Go be with her. Yeah, football's secondary then. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. You can wait a year. So just get rid of waivers. I agree. I agree. Get rid of waivers. Speaking of transfers, actually, all these guys transferred besides Chase Young. Joe Burrow, when he entered the transfer portal from Ohio State, he actually wanted to go to Nebraska. And Frost didn't want him there. That was Frost's first year, which is oh. funny. So also, Jalen Hurts was a transfer from Alabama. Obviously, another guy lost his job to Tua, who was clearly better. But look, three of these guys are in the Heisman fi- they're Heisman finalists now. That might have been their end of their career if they weren't allowed to transfer. You know, Jalen Hurts was a grad transfer, so he didn't have to sit out. It helps the players. Let them all transfer, is what I say. But you're right. Either make it, you got to sit out a year for everyone, or don't sit out at all. But no, none of this waiver stuff, because it's just, it's stupid. But it's crazy to think these three quarterbacks are all Heisman finalists, and they would be second stringers right now if they weren't allowed to transfer. So I think that proves it. It helps the players. And then Chase Young, obviously, he has no shot. Uh, he had a great year, but only one defender's ever won the Heisman. The guy that's on game Desmond day. Howard. Desmond Howard. Yeah. Chase Young's going to be a beast. Probably, you know, 1-1, first, first round draft pick. Real quick, let's talk about the college football playoff. Obviously, 1-2-3, all undefeated, just like last year. And then the four spot was crazy. So Georgia had to beat LSU pretty much to, to get in the playoff. They got... They got whooped. Then five was Utah. Control their own destiny. They get whooped by Oregon. Then six was Oklahoma, who who played Baylor. So pretty much the winner of that game, I guess, would have made the playoff. Maybe unless now Wisconsin was right behind them, and they actually were beating Ohio State. I don't know. It could have been crazy, but I think what it goes to show you is that that fourth spot was like, up for the taking, possibly. And it just makes you wonder, if we had ran the table, we I think at least minimum we would have been in the conversation. Even last year, we were never in the conversation. We we didn't get higher than eighth, and they never talked about us. They just strength the schedule, all that. We were starting to get talked about after the Stanford game. I think we're ranked we, higher it than we had, were. Oklahoma would have had to have two losses for us to get in. Who did they lose to? Kansas, Kansas State. Oh, I'm telling you, man, this this was yeah, the year. I mean, they lost to Kansas State, but they only have one loss. So I look at the power rankings, too. Who knows what the power rankings would have been if we would have been undefeated. The highest that we ever were was, I think, ninth or 10th. We were 19 points above an average team. Yeah, which, but, but everyone else kept falling in the power rankings. We never would have. We didn't lose. That's the thing. You know, all those teams that were ahead of us then were like the Gators and stuff. They kept losing. I don't know. But, you know, I can I can tell you right now, I can hear the argument already. If we were actually undefeated before the rankings came out, here's the argument. Oh, you can't put them in four. They already got whooped by LSU last year. I yep, guess I can, yep, that's exactly that what it would have been. Even if we would have went undefeated, I mean, right now, I think LSU is probably, I don't know, Two touchdown favorite, even if we were undefeated, dude. We we would get whooped by LSU. So that, that's maybe it's I'm a good saying. thing we didn't it's make like, the playoff. No offense to this team, I love these guys, but I mean, dude, we couldn't stop Tulsa from scoring thirty five points. We're not going to stop LSU, one of the best offenses ever. Joe Burrow's stats are ridiculous this season. He's throwing at like a seventy eight percent completion percentage, and not like dink and dunk passes. That's 
almost like 70% is like above average. 78% is absurd. Oh, here's another stat too. This is insane. All right. In his 12 games at LSU before the UCF game, he had 12 passing touchdowns, one per game average. In the 14 games since, Joey Connors knocked him out. He has had 52 touchdowns. So he's yeah. had. So we knocked some sense into him. Yeah, he had 40 more touchdowns, which obviously they got a new offensive coordinator and completely revamped their offense. But no, I think it's obviously Joey Connors <laughs> knocked him out. That too. And uh, <laughs> that's just crazy. Here's another stat for you. I love this one. UCF gave LSU their only double-digit deficit of 2019. Okay, that's absurd. How yeah, crazy yeah. is that? When we were up 14-3 to after the pick six. Huh. Yeah. And I mean, it's pretty much the same team. They lost... I mean, they lost Greedy Williams and uh, Devin White. Here's, here's, first round. So here's the thing. So the fact that Burrow had one touchdown per game going into UCF, the UCF game, and then he scored four against us. So he had literally a quarter of his touchdowns last season were against UCF. A quarter of his passing touchdowns. And now they're actually passing the ball well. Dude, we would not be able to stop that offense. So maybe it's a good thing we're not in the playoff. I just want to go to the Cotton Bowl, though. Come yeah. On. I mean, I want to go to the Cotton Bowl, too. There will be plenty of other seasons. Look, the playoff debate will never be totally finished. You could bring it. I have been on the minority side of I think they should bring it back to two. It's either the four doesn't work, right? So it needs to either be two and then all the New Year's Six Bowls are like worth way more. I remember the Rose Bowl it was like, being yeah. like this huge uh-huh. deal and everything. Now it's only a huge deal if it's part of the you know the College playoff. Football playoff. Well, if let's... it's not like this year. Okay, so this Yeah, year... it's a great matchup, Wisconsin and Oregon, right? Uh-huh. I'm excited to see Wisconsin and Oregon play. But it's like a consolation game. It's not even... Exactly. I so it takes I would a... either bring it to two because there's no debate. LSU and Ohio State are the two best teams. But wait, wait. There, there's no... Clemson isn't what? even close what do you to mean? Ohio State. Clemson is 13-0. and What should they have done differently? They waxed everyone besides one I game. Know, but they didn't play anybody. What the, how's it their fault? It's not their fault the rest of their conference sucks. Like, what? You're giving me the same argument against UCF for the last oh, two years. Well, yeah, kind of. Dude, what was Clemson <laughs> supposed to do? Well, I, I was going to say, you want to. I, I agree. Well, then just put it back to two. So here's the thing. In years when there's two undefeated teams, the playoff is dumb. It should just be those two. But what do you do when there's three undefeated teams? It's not fair to the third team. You cannot leave out an undefeated well, team. Well, that's what I'm saying. They're. There's three this year. Yes, I understand that. But then you're putting four like... Okay, but what are you supposed to do? Oklahoma isn't good. They're just not. (laughs) Yeah, I agree. The thing is, there's going to be years with three undefeated teams, and you can't leave out the third one. So then put it to... You've got to put it to 16. 16, 8, whatever. It's got to be more than four. It's either two or 16. Eight, maybe, but four... I would say... There's no... I don't think there's anyone that says four is... Yeah, that's it. Four was just better than two at the time. They had no idea what they were doing. So how many years has this been going on? It's been like the fourth, fifth or sixth year. Okay. Plenty of time to figure out this ain't it. It's not the worst, though. This year it sucks. Some years it's good. Go to eight, 16, or two. Anything before. Yeah. You can't. 16, you can't argue. I know. It's like, oh, okay, right now, who's the 16th team? I think it might have been Memphis. 
No, Memphis was 17. The, Something like that. But there would, there would be automatic qualifiers and stuff if there's 8 or 16. But the thing is, is one, the reason you can't have two is this year. There are three great undefeated teams. It's just not fair to have two. But the thing is, is when there's 8 or when there's 16, people are like, oh, well, the playing games are like, which is true, it's kind of like the Utah-Oregon game was like a playoff game kind of for Utah. But they lost it. And they're saying it's going to take away some of the luster or allure of the regular season, which might be a little bit true, but at the same time, your seeding matters a lot, and it's not the teams aren't going to not show up and play. Like Maybe a couple of the games will matter less, but the thing is, is once you decided to do a playoff, you need to do it correctly. So there's a fair way for every team to get into the playoff, like you said, or just don't do it at all. Honestly, just have, have the AP and co-national champions or something like that. Because it's not fair to have a two-team national championship if there's three undefeated teams. And that happens a lot of the time. Yeah, it happened. It happened last year. Even though Notre Dame sucked, again, it's not their fault. They went undefeated. Like, what are you supposed to do? Did I, Notre I, Dame go undefeated last year? Yeah, and then they got waxed. That Clemson beat oh, them yeah, like, they were the four. Clemson beat them yeah, like yeah. 40 to nothing or something. Yeah, but well, that's a Notre Dame problem. That's not a... I agree. But again, problem. let them play it out on the field. All right. Um, Notre Dame got waxed as the four. Then national championship a few years ago, they got waxed then. Yeah, that's true. I'm tired of them talking trash. Hey, whatever. You put them in, they didn't. At least they didn't lose to Tulsa. All right. Yeah, uh, but you put us in, we beat <laughs> Baylor, and then we give LSU a run for their money. God, we shouldn't true. have lost that game. Yeah, I know. All right. Uh, <laughs> you want to move on to picks? I'm gonna do, I'm gonna talk about the bull pick at the end. All right. All right. Now it's time for our favorite segment, Money Moves. <laughs> Picks of the week. So I'm thinking about changing my nickname to No More Money Moo. Why? Picks of the week last week or two weeks ago. Oh and three. Finishing the regular season at seventeen and twenty three. I've been betting for a long time, and I've only been tracking my picks for the last couple of years. This has got to have been like the worst year that I've ever had. 17 and 23 years. We've only been doing this for two years. Well, I've been tracking them for oh, two years. that's true. So anyway, still, from the beginning of last year, my total, 62 wins, 56 losses, puts me at 52.5%. Not terrible. All right? So that's like, it's doable. It's right? okay. Still six wins over 500. Yeah, it's And fine. Uh, so last year I picked every bowl game. Not going to do that this year. No, because there's just games you don't like. You don't want right. to force yourself. Right. So I've looked. I've researched. Ooh, but wait, real quick. If you do want to pick every bowl game, we are doing a bowl pick which I talked about in the beginning of the show. Yes. Look for the link on Twitter. It's free for everyone to enter. You know, please leave us a review on iTunes if you do like the show, if you're listening. Hopefully you do. Um, we're going to give away some basketball tickets. We've got a bunch of socks from Rock'em. We'll have some gift cards and stuff. We'll, we'll get all the prizes and stuff nailed down. But get your entry in is what's, mo- what's most important. And you pick all the games. You rank them by confidence. And it's a lot of fun. So, yeah. Anyway, you did not pick every game this year. But you picked six. So, let's go through them. Went with the top six bowl games. So it's a lot of games, so I'm going to keep my handicapping down to a minimum. Yeah. Also, because these games are so far away, these lines are liable to change a little bit. 
But for record, as of today, for record keeping purposes, we're using the ones that were as of today that we're going to talk December about. December 10th, this is what they are. So, first pick. Been a while since I've picked this team. <laughs> a long while. It has. But uh, we're going to take our own right here out of Orlando, the UCF Knights, minus 17 against Marshall. UCF, the biggest bowl favorite of the season, which is incre- incredible wow. to think. You know, I look at all the other bowl games, and most all of them are single-digit spreads. They try and pick, you know, interesting, fun games that could be close. Well, usually the teams are evenly matched. Like, the best team in the Pac-12 and the best team in the Big Ten playing the Rose Bowl. So they should be similar. Now, unfortunately, we're the third or fourth best team in the American. We're kind of matched up with Conference USA, who's like the next-ish best conference besides maybe the Mountain West. We get the third or fourth best team, who happens to be Marshall, who isn't that good. So that's kind of why it ended up that way. This does renew an old rivalry when we were in Conference USA against Marshall. Last time we played Marshall, 2012, where we won 54-17 to behind the boat, Blake Bortles, and Saints starting running back Latavius Murray. Now the game is on December 23rd at 2.30 in the afternoon. So how motivated will the players be is the big question. Especially after going to back-to-back NY6 games. I mean, let's be real. This season, if it wasn't a letdown for, as a fan, it was definitely a letdown for the players, 100%. Clearly, we are the better team. On paper. On paper versus Marshall. We were against Arkansas State three years ago, too. I know that's way different because we hadn't had any success, and we are just kind of just happy not to be undefeated and losing that year. But but I think that we rally the troops, and we go out with a bang. Dylan, in the state of Florida, 19 touchdowns, no picks. That's, that's including the FAU away game okay. this Game is in the state of Florida, so I don't see him see him turning the ball over at all. And I think UCF rolls. I could see a thirty-four fourteen. Dude, I don't know. I agree. Like we are a much better team than Marshall, but the way I look at it, and I'm not saying you know we're gonna come out and not try or not be prepared or anything, but for Marshall, they're actually gonna be very very excited. We're a big deal for them. For us, Marshall is nothing. Like, all we want to do is not lose this game, which is not, that's not a good mindset to be in. And I can't speak for the players, but that's just how I feel. You know, it comes down to the motivation. The season's over. This is kind of meaningless for us. It's cool that we're here, and I'm sure it'll be fun for them. I know it's a lot of guys' last games, and I hope I'm completely wrong and we freaking crush them. I'm still going to bet on us. But, you know, I think for Marshall... They have way, way more to play for. That's my opinion, but I mean, I think it's almost like true. We beat Marshall. It's not that big of a deal. Marshall beats us. It's huge for them. You know, I, I just think they're going to be more fired up. Uh, I hope I'm I hope I'm wrong. I still think we're going to win. I just think 17 is a lot, man. I mean, they might pull out all the stops against us to do this. Or not. You know, we should beat them. You're right. On paper, we are clearly way, way better. But I don't know. I just think we rally the troops and... 17 does seem like a lot, but for our offense... It's nothing, dude. (laughs) I don't really think it's that much. We could could go up by 17 in the first quarter, I agree. It just comes down to, you know, 
how uh how hot we come out of the gate and stuff, I guess. Who knows? But uh we'll see. It'll be fun, I'll be there. So Alright, so Marshall has a decent defense, but so they lost to Charlotte, Middle Tennessee, Cincinnati, and Boise State. I guess that isn't terrible. But they also lost to Cincy by like thirty points or like thirty five points. Yeah. So mutual opponents always always matters. I don't know. That's the pick. Don't question. Anyway, next pick, we got North Carolina, minus six against Temple. I really don't have as much to say about this game other than quarterback Sam Howell for UNC. True freshman, by the way, having an amazing season, not as good as Dylan. But I just wanted to give him a shout out there. And Temple, yeah, they're Temple. They really don't show up in bowl games. I think they lost like... Yeah, whoop last Their last two, yeah. I think they lost their last two or three. And six points, especially ACC opponent, I think UNC rolls. Especially being under, like, first-year head coach, Mac Brown. I don't know if you saw on Twitter, he was talking about, someone had said, like, are you disappointed to be in this bowl game or something like that? And he was like, no, like, a lot of these kids, you know, don't even have anywhere to go for Christmas. They're getting awesome bowl gifts that they might not have even had been getting presents and stuff. And I just feel like he's going to have this team really, really ready. And, uh, and they're good, too. Their quarterback's good. You know, like I said earlier, it's going to be a good game to, to kick off next year. All right, what's your next pick? All right, next pick, we're taking Iowa minus one and a half against USC. USC really having a down year this year. Iowa, on the other hand, seems to always surprise. Their defense is always amazing. I don't really have much else to say other than it's only one and a half, and I'll take a Big Ten team over a Pac-12 team this year yeah, every U- week. USC was like 7-5 and five this year, too. I mean, there were reports that their coach, Clay Helton, was going to get fired after the season, which turned out not to be true, but the fact that that's even a possibility just shows that they were definitely having a down year. Who knows what you're going to get? These bowl games are fun because, I mean, you get teams matched up. They have almost no common opponents. If they did play the same team, it was like the beginning of the season when teams are like way, way different. Uh, so we'll have to see. But just in general, like you said, conference-wise, I'm going to pick the better conference always in these games. And I think what the Big Ten last year was like 7-1 and one in their bowl games. So I agree with you on that. Take the Big Ten team, Iowa. Next pick, we're going to take Notre Dame minus 3.5 against Iowa State. Notre Dame traveling down to Orlando for the second time in three years. Last time they were there. They beat LSU in the Citrus Bowl two years ago. So they're familiar with the trip. Notre Dame always travels well. Iowa State, can't really say that you, <laughs> there's going to be many Iowa State fans down in Orlando, but I could be wrong. Didn't you? All right, so first of all, didn't you just get done saying like you thought the Big Ten was like a good conference? Yeah, Iowa At- State's in the Big 12. Oh, they are? Yeah. Iowa's in the Big Ten. Iowa State's in the Big 12. Are you sure? Yes. Bet me. I'm not. No, I'm not. In case you missed that, that was. I'm not. Wrong, wrong. Oh, jeez. Okay. Um. Well, then I was just gonna say you also just got done saying like Notre Dame sucks, but I guess only one of my points is right, so I'll just cut all that. Well, out. yeah, they do. I mean, I've taken Notre Dame I think three times this year, and they've lost every time. <laughs> yeah. But the power ranks suggest. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Whatever. I'm not gonna bet that game. I I don't like it. But uh, all right. All right. Thanks what for up? the confidence. <laughs> What else you got? All right. The next pick, Ohio State plus two against Clemson. 
we just had this awesome argument about how Clemson hasn't played anyone. Ohio State should be favored in this game. Clearly, my power ranks have them favored by six, which they should be favored by six against Clemson. You're getting two points, so just take the money line. Ohio State is not going to lose this game against Clemson. Clemson is the, the defending end. national champion. Doesn't matter. They have not lost a game in like three seasons. And I understand that Ohio State has beat better teams and they look good, but it's impossible to tell. It's impossible to handicap this game, in my opinion. I, I just, I, it's it just isn't, one I'm, I'm not going to talk That's what Money Mood does. He does the impossible. <laughs> He's telling you Ohio State plus two, baby. I guess. Let's go. Whatever. All right. What's your last one? All right. Last one. Oh, I like this one. This is the second biggest, actually is the third, um, Whoever, UAB is like a 17-point dog to somebody. This is like the third biggest lopsided bowl game. And I think this isn't even going to be close because it's a de facto home game for the Florida Gators. Minus 13 and a half, get it before it goes to 14, against lowly Virginia. Look, Virginia played out of their minds this year. It was one of their best seasons in a long time. Still got walloped by Clemson in the ACC championship. And now they get to face a Florida team whose only losses are to the number one team in the nation, LSU, and Georgia, who's probably the second best team in in the country, but they just play in the SEC. And what? It, oh, okay, Mr. SEC bias. <laughs> I, I, I just watch a lot of the SEC games, too. Yeah, and, you're a closet gator, I know. No, I know. no, I'm not. Um, I, this is look, the first time all year that I've picked the, the Gators. Georgia's not the second best team in the country. Get out of here. They got whooped by LSU. But again, it's very impo- It's hard to tell because it, the teams don't play interconference, which I guess, I don't know, whatever. Um, I agree with this pick a lot, though. Virginia sucks. It's such a waste of an Orange Bowl. There's so many other better teams that should be in that. It's just because Clemson's in the playoff and they're the next best ACC team. They should get rid of the bowl tie-ins. Like, it should be a tie-in, but you have to be like ranked in the top 15. Yeah, Virginia, their defense isn't that great. Dude, they almost lost to FSU. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> their entire offense relies on Bryce Perkins, their dual-threat quarterback. I mean, Florida's defense is really freaking good, man. Yeah. Their offense are. isn't that good. It's all right. But, They've been uh, throwing the ball a lot. I was at the UFFSU game. It was uh, they can't run the ball, though. They're going to absolutely destroy Virginia, I think, by at least like 28 points. Yeah. I would say besides, I think UCF is my number one best bet. Then I would say... Crazy, son. Uh, I don't know. Also, after listening to all of my picks, you might want to throw like a few dollars on like a 16 parlay on like the opposite of all my picks. Because I've been going a lot of like 0-3. I'll either go 0-3 or 3-0. and There's nothing in between. It's all in. All so, or none. None. I mean, throw like two or three, I don't know, five bucks on like every pick that I didn't pick. <laughs> just opposite everything. Who knows? It might hit, and then you only have me to thank. There you go. Uh, all right, let's recap them real quick. We're taking UCF minus 17 against Marshall, North Carolina minus 6 against Temple, Iowa minus 1.5 versus USC, Notre Dame minus 3.5 versus Iowa State, Ohio State plus 2 versus Clemson, and the Florida Gators minus 13.5 versus Virginia. Let's get that money.
All right, last up here, we have Moo's Mailbag, where we answer all of your questions from Twitter. First up, we have a question from Golden Knight 2. Seeing that the American Conference is as strong as it's ever been, under what conditions would you want UCF to stay in the AAC versus leaving for the Big 12? What do you think, Moo? Oh, well, I think off the bat that I would want to leave for the Big 12, you know, first and foremost. I would be okay if we didn't leave for the Big 12 and the AAC added one to two more teams. And my top picks would probably be Boise State or like an Army or Air Force. I think that, you know, just have UConn is horrible. They were horrible. They weren't even good in basketball once they joined the AAC. <laughs> They're not a good name. You get Boise State in here and maybe somebody else. And, you know, I, th- I think it wouldn't be bad. But to answer the question, if the Big 12 comes a knock and there's no ifs, ands, or buts, we're going. Yeah, I agree. The only condition I would say staying over the option of I, I really can't think of anything but if if we made the same money as the big 12 and also had an automatic my6 bowl bid but still I'd rather go to the big 12 because those teams just have so, so many more fans and that would increase our revenue by so much via I mean just our TV ratings our you know game attendance the value of our tickets everything like that. I guess in order of importance for me, it goes NY6 game, TV contract, and then conference we're actually in. Because, I mean, we really just don't seem to have a shot at a playoff. You know, the stars have to align. We have to have a strong schedule. We have to go undefeated, and we have to hope that, like, a bunch of teams lose. So that kind of seems out of the picture. The next best thing is the NY6 Bowl, although long-term, getting more TV money would be better. So, I don't know. But that in really no case would I ever want to stay here over leaving for the Big 12. But there's things that can make it better. Like, you know, our TV deal just, like, tripled or quadrupled, which is, you know, money in our pockets, which can help us recruit better, pay our coaches more. Because what it comes down to is money. That's why those big schools can out-recruit us and stuff. They just have better resources. And that ends up, you know, short-term, we can beat do better than some of the big programs, but long-term, they're going to be consistently better because they have the money to do it. Um, All right, next question. All right, next question is from MD Knight 2016. How is it that Dylan Gabriel made none of the AAC season award lists? I think it's incredibly stupid, and it just goes to show you kind of how dumb these lists are. You know, the writers for the conference that picked these – I mean, how much do they watch, like, every other team's offensive line, yet they have to pick a first, second, and third team? Quarterbacks is a little different, but, I mean, the fact that, I mean, Dylan Gabriel had had more passing yards than Justin Fields, and he's in, he, he's a Heisman finalist, one of four Heisman finalists. Like, let's be real. For the fact that he didn't make any of the AAC season award lists is silly, especially because he made, like, four or five of them uh, the weekly award list. So that's kind of my thought on that. Those things are meaningless for the most part. Do you even get like a trophy, an award, a medal, Some kind of little thing. Not a huge deal, though. I mean, if you get like Offensive Player of the Year, it means something because those awards are, you know, they're easy to tell. Um, Yeah. But, you know, this is stupid. But I I agree it is dumb. (laughs) So He also had a second question. 
with the proliferation of how good Sam Howell has been this year, quarterback of North Carolina, and with how good Dylan Gabriel has been, what are the chances our game against UNC next year could get college game day? I like where you're going with this. Um, you bring up a very good point, UNC on the rise. But the problem is, is neither of us are probably going to be ranked preseason. And this is um, this is the week one game. And actually, on top of that, I think the game is scheduled to be on a Thursday or a Friday to kick off. So I, I don't think we could. But I like where your head's at. It is going to be a good matchup. And it, it'll definitely get a lot of national attention, especially if, in fact, it's not on that Saturday. You know, people are itching for college football in the beginning of the season. You got a P5. You got, you know team everyone hates UCF and uh yeah you know they're definitely on the up and up Sam Howell was a good quarterback so that's kind of my thoughts on that what do you think yeah I think you're right with the Thursday it could be a Thursday kickoff or they said it was Thursday or Friday or something more than likely we're both not going to be ranked preseason which brings me to my other point of like how stupid are preseason rankings extremely you have no idea how good the team is going to be Half the teams that start in the top 25 end up unranked anyway. And they shouldn't rank any of the teams until like week four. Then you could really see like who's done the best, who's put on the best performance. Yeah, I agree. But take the, it from there. the problem is, is if, all right, you say AP, you can't make a poll. Coaches, you can't make a poll. Well, then ESPN will have a poll. Like there's always going to be someone's going to make a poll. So it's like literally impossible. Not to, but I agree they're dumb. The only reason polls exist is because there's no real format to get to the postseason in the playoffs. Every other sport, there's a set of rules. You win your division, you're a wild card, whatever, and that's how you get in. And there are power rankings for every sport, but they don't matter as much as they do in college football, which just, again, proves how stupid the whole system is. Um. Okay, next. It always, it always comes back to that. But... But again, every question. But again, then what else would we complain about all year long? You know, after every game. So whatever. All right. Next question from Sean Tuttle, King Tut. What home and away games are you most looking forward to next season? Uh, I'll start with the away game that I'm most looking forward to is Georgia Tech because that's the one I'll be going to for sure. And then I don't know. I mean, what are our? I don't have the home game list. Up. What do we just play all the teams that we played on the away? So what do we play? Cincinnati? Cincinnati, Temple, Tulane, Tulsa. Oh, and North Carolina. I guess Cincinnati then. I mean, I don't, who knows how good North Carolina is going to be? When they finish like seven and five? Something like that. But they should be. De- I mean, dude, yeah. they almost beat Clemson. So they can literally <laughs> hang with any team in the nation. So That's true. <laughs> I'm going to say North Carolina is the home game for the away game. Uh, you know, Georgia Tech will be fun. I don't, they're not going to be that good of an opponent. I'm saying USF here. They got their new coach, Jeff Scott or whatever, which breaking, oh, breaking news. I we, forgot. <laughs> we just found out that USF's new coach was a walk on at Clemson and his only career touchdown was versus UCF, um, on a fake field goal try. He was a holder and ran it around the left side for a touchdown. They only won by eight points. So that was kind of a deciding play. So, yeah, you know, I tweeted this out earlier. Blood is in the water in this rivalry. Like, instantly. It is on. The rivalry is really back. And I'm um, looking forward to that game at USF. And as far as a home game, I think, like I said before, 
UNC, obviously, um, I think is going to be a good one. All right, you're up. All right, next question is from Alex McIntosh. Who's the starting quarterback for next season, and is Milton making a full return or no? Uh, <laughs> I feel like we've talked about this quite a bit. Who knows? If McKenzie is fully healthy, I think it's going to be him. I mean, if you break it down, he's got twice the experience as DG, especially big game experience. They've both ran about the same... They've played the same number of games in Heupel's offense. If you compare their stats, I mean, they're actually kind of similar. 25 touchdowns, 6 interceptions for KZ last season. You know, in a couple less games, Dylan was something around that. A couple more picks. KZ also added 9 rushing touchdowns as a junior. But I think the fact that he's got one whole more year experience, plus being under different coaches, kind of being the leader, the captain of the team, and also the Peach Bowl and everything like that, I would say if fully healthy, it's going to be KZ. Gabriel could redshirt, I think. I still don't understand that rule, but, you know, we'll just have to see. Uh, Yeah, he can. He can redshirt. Yeah, so, you know, you never know. Redshirt him and have Mac be the backup. Why not? That would, you know, he's got so much experience already. Just having KZ there as a mentor. Imagine a year actually playing behind him. After he's already got one year experience on the field, he knows what's out there. Now he can sit and watch how it's actually supposed to be done, you know, from the GOAT, the legend, KZ. And he's going to come back out in two years and, God, he's going to be the best quarterback and ever. only be a sophomore. That too, with, you know, three more years of eligibility. But who knows? We don't know. I mean, KZ, we don't know it. He can't even run yet, you know? So uh, we'll just have to That's you know, insane wait and to see. Me. That he still can't. He still can't run. It's been a full year. I mean, he might be able like, to jog. Well, see, the thing is, is his leg was immobile for so long. He, like, doesn't have, like, all the muscle just, like, completely disappeared. So now it's about building that strength back up. Structurally, he's fine. The nerve is back. But imagine not moving your leg for a year. Like, the muscle literally almost completely goes away. So that's kind of the issue he's facing, at least from what I understood from the last time I kind of heard him. It's all just about regaining that strength. I mean, he should be fine, but you just, you don't know, you know, so we'll just have to see. I guess it's not, to me, it's not a question of who's more talented. I think that Milton is more talented. You know, it's all about the health of Milton. Yeah. That's really all it comes down to for me. It it really does. Because I think you give it to Milton, you know? Yeah, you just do. Milton's proven himself. Um, like he has to be a hundred percent. Exactly. Like if, exactly. If I don't want seventy five percent Milton. No. Hundred percent DG is a lot better than seventy five percent Milton. Exactly. And you don't want to give me both fully healthy. I think Milton just slightly better. It's got to be. They both have their strengths and weaknesses, but uh, I think it comes down to experience. And even if the talent level is about the same, just the experience of KZ, I think, is what's much more important. And the fact that Dylan will benefit greatly from being behind KZ the other way around doesn't do anything he's had KZ as a mentor but to sit behind him and watch him for a year actually you know play out there I just think is invaluable and would really shape him up for an amazing three years to finish his college career at UCF okay last question then we'll wrap it up here from Doug McIntyre over the past four years what was the best game or moment in a game it's a broad question yeah, uh, the past four years. 
It's kind of tough. I guess the craziest moment that I can remember was, I guess maybe in the Peach Bowl when Antoine Collier, you know, made that interception to seal the deal. And I kind of looked at my friend Vince and I'm like, damn, dude, we We did it. We just did it. (laughs) But up until that point, I was like, well, here we go. Auburn's just yep. going to march right down the field and score right here, and then we're going to lose. I agree. Um, <laughs> so best game, I would have to say, has to go, it's USF 2017. But best yeah, moment sure. best moment in a game for me was Shaquan Burkett's pick six in that Peach Bowl. Even though we let them come back, that moment was like, we did it. That was my we did it moment. Like I celebrated more during that than like when we actually won the Peach Bowl because in, mentally because that put us up 14 with only a couple minutes left. That was the moment I realized like we actually did it. We just shocked the world. Even though that proved to be factually incorrect and they almost had a chance to force overtime. That's meaningless because that moment was the one that I will always remember where I got that that feeling, the goosebumps, the joy, the the excitement, the realization that like holy crap you know, we just, we did this. We, we shocked the world. So those are my kind of favorite too. All right, let's wrap it up real quick. Uh, what's going on with basketball? Basketball. We just had a win last night against Green Bay, Wisconsin. The Packers. The, the no. fighting, whatever they are. Fighting cheese. <laughs> because our record now is seven and two. And I think it's uh, pretty surprising. It's surprising a lot of people. And I told told you guys this ever since the first game or two that I said, watch out for this team because they're pretty exciting to watch. And there's a ton of young talent on the team, too. There's three ballers. There's, you know, we have a little bit of everything. There's three shooters. There's mid-range shooters. There's guys that got ups. There's rebounders. And Overall, you know, the team plays with a lot of heart and there's passion in this team. And they're fun maybe to watch. The talent, maybe the talent isn't to, you know, the level that it was last year, but last year was the best team we've ever had in UCF basketball history. So it's like, it's pretty hard to top that. Plus like 80-something percent of our points scored last year are gone through the team. Through transfers, graduations, you know, whatever. So this is a completely new team but it's kind of cool because you know you get your new favorite like obviously taco was everybody's favorite last year but you get to pick your new favorite player i really like darren green he's a freshman starter which is pretty nuts and um this is a kid who's going to be with us for a long time and it's the future of the program you know possibly no definitely cool um Looking ahead, so you said we're seven and two. We've got two more games versus smaller, I guess, mid-major conferences, and then we play Oklahoma on the road, who is currently seven and one. Although most teams have good schedules, good records now because they're playing kind of a lesser talent. So there's those three games, and then we start uh, New Year's Eve. We play our first conference game at home versus Temple. So if you're in Orlando. Check that out. But the conference games are the ones that really, really matter. These all are kind of like preseason for the most part right now. Um, important, but just not nearly as important. I like our outlook going forward, but we don't know anything and we, until we start to get in the conference. So, Yeah, that's the thing. I remember uh, 
not to like burst the bubble here, but I remember the team back in 2010 or 2011 when we beat the Gators started off 14 and 0, 15 and 0 and uh we ended up like 19 and 15. Didn't even make the tournament. I know, I know, I remember. <laughs> so, <laughs> well, the 7 and 2 record pretty surprising and we are playing good basketball. You know, like you said, we'll really see what this team is like once we get into conference play. The American Conference, a very strong basketball conference. And they also added, added Wichita State a couple years ago. I mean, this year Memphis looks really good. Cincinnati looks really good. Houston's really good. A lot of good teams. But you know, yeah. it's cool because if, say, we like dominated our conference, like we actually get ranked and, you know, obviously make the tournament and have a chance. If this is a sport, we actually have a legitimate chance if we're decent. Whereas football, we just. The only chance we have is we just complain the whole time. So that's what really excites me about basketball season. <laughs> it's true, though. I mean, yeah, it's just it's so weird to think about because we're so used to like, you know, just really never having a chance at, at glory in football. And, and we do in basketball. And, uh, you know, that's why they play the game. So it makes it fun. Last couple things here. We got some more breaking news. Willie Taggart just got hired as the FAU head coach, replacing Lane Kiffin. I think that's a good fit for him, although he just got a huge buyout from FSU. I really don't understand why these coaches like don't take a year off and just spend time with their family, considering they spend like you know seventy hours a week working pretty much when they wake up to when they go to bed. The dude's like a multi multi millionaire now, but I guess these coaches, you know, they just live and breathe football and they don't know anything else. But good for him, I guess. I think that's a good fit for him. You know, Willie Taggart, great recruiter. So he's in the recruiting hotbed there in South Florida. I think we play them in a couple years, right? We definitely, we always play them or FIU. We're definitely going to play them again. Uh, so that might be interesting. A little Willie Taggart uh, trying to get some revenge against us, you know? Or we could get revenge against him for when he ran up the score that one time. So yeah, kind of exciting. You got anything else? No, that's pretty much it. Stay tuned to Twitter because we'll be doing more basketball home game ticket giveaways. And um, the bowl, uh, the bowl pick them too. Uh, check that out. That'll, pick we'll, we'll have all those details tweeted out by the time you listen to this. Um, go to the bowl game, buy your tickets through UCF. And yeah, I will see you guys December 23rd at 2.30 p.m. Go Knights. Charge on.
Contamination. 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 